All righty. Well, thank you, everyone, for being with us tonight. This is the last and second call leading up to our Live, Lead, Love, and How We Love Leadership Weekend coming up in Carlsbad. So I hope you caught the first call or at least the recording. And then um, we have Jody Tomei who is speaking tonight. And she's really sharing what our theme is this weekend, uh, Walking Through Hardship. She's named it Vision in the Valley, and I'm so excited for all of us to be able to hear from a gifted leader and somebody who's really been instrumental in yoga faith and really um, just has captured the vision. Um, Her and I have a lot in common. She's been moving and having embodied movement and worship with her whole being um, before Yoga Faith ever existed. So uh, when we found each other, we were like (laughs) long-lost sisters, and we just get it. Um, I'm sure most of you do as well. So again, just thank you for your time. I know you could be anywhere, but um, learning about Jesus and how we can help each other walk through valleys and hardship is really what we want to share with you tonight, or I should say Jody. So let's just open up in prayer, and we'll hand it over to our sister here. So dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for these moments, and ask that you would just anoint our eyes and ears and mouthpiece, and uh, that we would receive, that Jody would be anointed and communicate effectively what your Holy Spirit has impressed on her heart, and I'm so excited to hear and be blessed by it. So may this recording go out and bless others for years and years to come, and we give you all the praise and glory in absolutely everything that we do in Jesus' name. So thank you again, and um, if you haven't met Jody, I, I certainly hope that you get a chance to. She does uh, our trauma-sensitive yoga faith training. She's really gifted in that. She also uh, visits other teacher trainings and shares our gifts and wisdoms, gifts, plural, and wisdom, (laughs) singular, (laughs) with others. And um, I'm excited to have you hear from her. Um, She's a singer, songwriter, author. She just finished her second book. We're going to be exploring that in March and springtime. So I hope you join us for that. And uh, without further ado, the one and only Jody Tomei. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. You are the best always. And I love this thing called Yoga Faith. So I'm excited to be sharing tonight. And I just, um, I just know that I just am praying that God shows up and, and the Holy Spirit shows up in powerful ways this evening and ministers to each and every one of us. So I'm excited to share about having vision in the valley. So so a lot of this is based on uh, the Live, Love, Lead, uh, the Brian Houston book that's been a part of this leadership um, weekend and uh, our prep for this leadership weekend. And um, I kind of want to start with a little bit of a reading uh, on page 169. If you have the book, great. If you don't, no worries. But if you have the book, it's page 169. 169, and it's the section that says personal vision. 169, personal vision. And uh, just the first two paragraphs there. It says, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where, is, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Or another version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So we're going to talk about vision. It says, we should never underestimate the significance of what we think about ourselves, the calling and purpose we hold on to that drives our lives forward. What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? 
What is your personal vision for your life? When we don't have confidence in God's plan and purpose for our lives, when we walk through life without vision, we are walking a dangerous line. So I just wanted to start with that from, from Brian Houston's book about, you know, that, that we need vision. We need, envision, we need vision in life. Otherwise, um, as Brian says, we walk a dangerous line. So we, we want to have vision. We want to have God's vision in our life. So we're going we're gonna to talk about vision first, and then we're going to talk about uh, having vision in the valley, so being able to see in the dark places of our lives. So, um, so the first thing, let's just talk about vision. And if you have, if you're a doodler, if you like to doodle and, and sketch, um, you might want to draw a, a tree of sorts uh, somewhere uh, on, on your, in your journal or whatever. Because we're going to talk about the idea of our lives um, and, and our vocation, our calling, being like a tree. And so the idea of a tree is that everything that we do must be rooted in who God created us to be. So God created trees and he created, he didn't just create an oak tree and was done with it. He created all different kinds of trees. And the same is true of us. He created us all different and unique. And um, we are designed to be the unique person he created us to be. So we're like trees. We're going to be like trees tonight. Uh, if you get tired, you can always stand up and do a tree pose and get yourself uh, rooted back and, and awake and, and, and rooted back uh, into our discussion. So that's a, a little uh, embodied way to engage in the material. So the idea of a tree is that the, the, the trunk of the tree, the main thing that supports the tree is our identity. So our identity, we are all sons and daughters of a living God. So our identity is rooted in the fact that, you know, and Paul talks about this throughout the, the epistles, you know, he, Christ came and died. He made, he made the sacrifice so that you and I could be called children of God. We are all children of God. Everyone is a child of God. So we need to root our identity in that idea of being a child of God. And, and maybe you want to word it differently. Like I like to say my identity, I like to call I'm the beloved child of God. To me, the idea that he loves me, that I'm beloved of him, uh, beloved is a, is a key word for me in my life. So maybe you want to call yourself the beloved daughter of, the, of God. Uh, maybe your identity is, is daughter of the king or son of the king, uh, a son of God. You know, so finding first your identity, and, and somehow that identity is rooted in the fact that you are a child of, of God. So you're a son or daughter of, of God, of the king. So just, you know, just thinking for a moment, what is that thing that roots you in your identity? Uh, and maybe you've never thought about that before. But for me, I know the word beloved just strikes a chord in my heart. And I use that word a lot to remind myself who, my, who I am, even when I forget when I don't feel beloved, when I don't feel like the child of God, that, that, that the idea that I'm the, a beloved child of God helps remind me again of who I am. It reminds me of identity. Of course, our identity is rooted in Jesus Christ. So if you think about the roots of the tree, so if you're doodling, you can kind of doodle the roots of your tree. And of course, those roots, we want to be rooted and grounded, grounded, well-established 
in Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is our soil. He's our living water. He's, he's our nourishment. He helps us grow. Uh, and obviously we want to be rooted in the love of Jesus Christ. Um, the other thing is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to be the hands and feet of Christ, right? So through the power of the Holy Spirit, our branches reach out, our branches reach out so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And, and our purpose is to make Christ known. So making Christ known, that's the fruit. Uh, how do we make Christ known? Through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Uh, through the fruit in our life, the things that we do that's making, that, that, that makes a difference, that impacts others uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, so making Christ known, that's, that's our fruit, um, you know, and that's our calling. We are all called to make Christ known. Um, you know, that's from Matthew, you know, the end of Matthew. Uh, Jesus leaves that final command to his disciples, you know, make me known. Um, you are to make disciples. You are to baptize others in the name of Jesus Christ. And so that's our purpose in life. Um, but we're all going to do that differently, right? We're all different trees, and we're all going to do that differently. So just to kind of summarize, our identity is rooted in Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to be his hands and feet and to make Christ known. So in order for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be spread, for his kingdom to come and on earth as it is in heaven, and for his will to be done in our lives, um, our Father has given us three things. So I like to think of these as the three main branches. So all trees have a trunk, and then that trunk often will separate into a number of large branches. And then, of course, from those branches extend other branches that reach in all different great, uh, directions. So those three main branches, the three main leader branches of our trunk, uh, of our tree, would be the first one would be skills, talents, and abilities. So the, God the Father has given us skills, talents, abilities. These are the things you're naturally good at or the things that you've developed. Right? You might be musically inclined and you might have picked up you know, an instrument and you worked hard at it. And um, so maybe na the natural inclination is, is, um, is that gift of music. You just naturally inclined to understand music. Uh, and then the skill is that you worked hard at learning an instrument. Um, and we've all, we all have different skills, talents, and abilities. So different things we've worked on, different things we're just naturally good at. Um, so again, skills, talents, abilities, some are natural and then some are developed through, you know, practice. You know, practice makes perfect. So that's one branch of the tree. Another branch of the tree is passions, dreams, and desires. Passions, dreams, and desires. And that's what Brian Houston was getting at. What are the things that wake you up at night? Uh, when you wake at night, what are the things you dream about? What are your passions, your, your desires? If there's one thing you could do, um, to make a difference in this world, what would it look like? Um, God says he has given us the desires of our hearts. And sometimes I think, you know, we think of that as almost transactional. So I'm a good Christian, and so God gives me my desires. He gives me the things I want. When reality, I think, is more like he places desires in our hearts, 
and then he watches to see us walk our walk out our lives in those dreams and desires that he's placed those dreams and desires in our hearts because he knows how we're created and he created us in a unique way and he wants us to walk out those dreams desires and purposes and passions in our lives uh, we all have different passions right some of us are are uh, you know we're you know obviously for me a passion is to help those who have been uh, experienced wounding and trauma in their life that's a passion for me uh, Michelle uh, her passion, you know, is she loves animals. And so she speaks out not on, only on behalf of people and those who have been trafficked or harmed, but she's also speaking out on behalf of animals that are be, have been harmed. So we all have passions in our lives, things that speak to us, things that move us, things that break our heart, things that we want to pour attention to. There are a lot of good things in the world, but we all have natural inclinations towards different passions and dreams and desires again because the god god the father's created us uniquely and then finally the third branch of that tree is spiritual gifts so we've all been given spiritual gifts they are a gift uh, charismata is the greek word uh, they're a gift they're given uh, you don't earn them there's nothing you can do to get them uh, well you can pray you can re- pray to receive uh, spiritual gifts, but it's not like some behavior uh, is going to reward you with a spiritual gift. They are precisely that, a gift that God gives us, and he, and he equips us with different gifts because he needs us to do different things. So depending on you know, what you do as a yoga teacher, you know, he may have gifted you with the gift of prophecy because he needs you to speak his words over his children. Or maybe he's gifted you with an apostle spirit because he needs you, because apostles go and they break new grounds and they start new things. So he's given you a, a spiritual gift of apostleship, of, of being an apostle. Uh, maybe you have the gift of hospitality. You're just really good at hosting. Uh, and you're great at like hosting retreats, yoga retreats or yoga faith trainings because you have the gift of hospitality. So. There are many different spiritual gifts. If you haven't explored that in your life, I encourage you to get online. Just look up spiritual gift inventories, and you'll go online. They'll have the passages that are related to spiritual gifts, and then there's usually some kind of inventory you can take, which will help you identify which spiritual gifts rise to the top in your life. So to kind of summarize that point, from our trunk of our tree, there's three main branches. The one is skills, talents, abilities. The one is passions, dreams, desires. And the one is spiritual gifts given by by the Lord. So within that context, that tree, he has placed us in a specific location, a specific context, in a specific place and time. We think of Esther 4.14. Who knows that God has placed you in this place, for such a time as this, right? So Esther was placed in the palace with the king because she, was needed to be, she needed to be there for such a time as this to save the Hebrew nation. So here we are in 2019, and uh, God has placed us all each in a different unique location, and he's, we're in a different context. Some of us are in church settings. Some of us work at counseling centers. Some of us work at yoga studios. Some of us work at Y's, you know, the YMCA. Um, some of us work out of our homes. 
So we all have a different context, a different place of ministry. And again, that's unique and it's different. But he's placed us in these specific places in order to fill our destiny, our calling, our vocation, our ministry. And any ministry we undertake needs to align with our calling and our identity. Um, We need to know uh, that our skills, talents, abilities, our passions, dreams, desires, and our spiritual gifts all help us do ministry in the context where we've been placed in order to do the, the highest calling in our life, which is to make Christ known. So, so thinking a moment of your context, where has God placed you? And uh, how are those dreams and desires, how can they be worked out, played out, lived out in the context that he's placed you? So that's just a little bit about, about vision. I want to read again from um, Brian Houston's book. Um, so page 118, 118, and let me turn there. And this is under the section uh, under Pioneer and Perfector. It's the second paragraph. I'm going to start there so you can kind of read along with me. What do you presently see when you close your eyes? What vision or dream has God planted in your heart for you to nurture and cultivate? What vision sustains you when you're hurting and afraid, shocked and stunned by life's events? God is indeed a great pioneer, and I believe that he not only gives you visions and dreams, but he also completes what he begins. God doesn't start something in us so that we can live frustrated, restrained, bitter lives. Jesus is called the author and finisher of our faith, or as another translation renders it, the pioneer and the perfecter. God has planted something in you that he intends to bring to fruition if you will just keep your dream and your vision alive. He wants us thriving in the wide open territory where our souls can flourish. This is particularly important to remember on the difficult path. It's your heart that plans your way and determines your ability to experience the big life God has in store for you. In Scripture, we see the Apostle John greeting his friend, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And this ability to prosper is not just about material blessings so much as it's about an an internal state of peace, joy, and fulfillment in how you live your life. In fact, I believe that when we thrive internally, then blessing can ultimately outwork itself in every area of life. It starts on the inside, in our hearts. And then turning to page 122, just a couple pages later, under the secrets of the heart, he again asks, what's overflowing in your heart right now? What is the composition, the story your life is telling? Is your tongue willing to declare your trust in God during life's storms? Or is your tongue complaining, grumbling, and despairing when the waves crash in? If you want to experience a long, joyful life, then you must hold tight to the vision God has placed inside you. Strive less and envision more. If there's a secret to living the big, wide-open, abundant life, then it all comes back to what's going on inside your heart. God plants such beautiful things in our hearts. I'm going to read that again. God plants 
such beautiful things in our hearts. We often think of secrets in a negative way, and certainly many secrets can be painful if not harmful. So often we think of secrets as skeletons in the cupboard, things we don't want people to find out. But what about those secrets that God has pioneered in your heart? Something that's just between the two of you, a desire, a yearning, a longing, something that brings tears to your eyes and stirs something deep down inside of you. Not long ago, I encouraged my congregation to write down the visions of their hearts. What is the one thing that God has spoken to you about that you are perhaps too afraid to say out loud? If you could dream a big dream, one that nobody could laugh or scoff at, what would it be? It amazed me how many people told me they were afraid to do it. There could be so many wonderful things, maybe so many personal things in your heart that God has birthed there. Perhaps the dreams are so tender, so vulnerable, and so personal that you've never told anybody. Maybe you've just told your spouse about some deep longing, some deep belief, some incredible dream God has put in your heart. Well, I can tell you with absolute certainty that what he's put in your heart, he wants to be complete in your life. I just think that's wonderful encouragement. Obviously, uh, Hillsong Church, we think about Hillsong, their music ministry and the church, and just what a vision he must have placed in Brian Houston Hart to make that come into to fruition and come into reality, that now that they're Hillsong churches, you know, all over the world. And so we need to follow our own vision uh, in much the same way. So we've kind of been talking conceptually, and uh, sometimes it's like, so I, I have these ideas, I feel like I have a dream, a vision, but I'm really not sure, like, how does it really relate to what am I supposed to be doing? What is my calling? Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing in life? And what I like to use in my own life is something I call a life verse, a life verse. So let's talk about that a minute. So we have each been given a purpose by God, rooted in our identity, made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the unique way God the Father created us to be. So let's read Jeremiah 29 together. So Nadine, if you want to hit your unmute button, Nadine uh, is the volunteer to read Jeremiah 29, and I'm going to have you read verses 11 through 14. Okay, Judy. Okay, mine hasn't starting yet, verse 10. This okay, is that's God. Yep. Okay, um, and it's the Message Bible. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree, I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree, bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. 
Beautiful. So many, thank you. Thank you, Nadine. That um, is such a powerful passage. Many of us know that is the plan and the purpose passage, you know, that he has a plan and a purpose. But often we stop there with, you know, we know God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But as Nadine just read, you know, we have to seek after that plan and, and purpose. Our plan and purpose is discovered in the seeking in the searching wholeheartedly, um, I think the NIV uses the word wholeheartedly. So with our whole heart, we need to seek after what the Lord has placed as his plan and his purpose for us. So I would encourage each of you to search the scriptures to find a life verse. Uh, what I think of as a life verse is a, a verse that speaks most clearly of your God-given dreams, destiny, and design. So this verse should be a guiding verse for all of your life. It should resonate in deep places within your spirit, even if you're not exactly sure what it means. So I will often have life verses uh, that are for a season, that I know that it's a verse that is carrying me through a season. It's giving me purpose. It's giving me dreams and visions. But there's one verse in my life that has always been a driving verse for me, and it is the verse that drives me. When when in in Chicago at my 200-hour training, when we did mandalas, when we did our, like, I did mine kind of like a vision board, and and I kept that. I I took it home. Uh, Bill Austin, who's out of the Chicago area, Bill helped us create those, and I created mine, and I put my life verse on on that on that thing because I knew it was a passage that always spoke to my heart. But then I realized that that was the the verse that God was saying, no, this is what your life is to be about. This is what I've called you to be. This is who I've called you to be. This is what I want you to be doing. And so for me, my life verse is found in Isaiah 50, uh, Isaiah 50 verse 4, and I'll read it for you. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. So that's my main life verse. And then it does continue in verse 5 and 7. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears, and I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. And because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. So for me personally, this verse four, this uh, verse, uh, chapter 50, verse 4, to know that, that God has given me a word that sustains the weary. So for me, all of my life um, dreams, uh, my, the things that I'm doing, the, everything that I'm called to in ministry, goes to this passage, this verse, specifically verse 4. So in any opportunity given to me, my question is always, does it allow me to use the words that God has given me to sustain the hearts of the weary? So trauma-sensitive training isn't, like I I love doing trauma-sensitive training, not so much because I'm fascinated by the effect of trauma on the brain and the body, because I believe that God put that hunger for that knowledge within me 
because he needed me to know. He needed me to be an instructed tongue. He needed me to have this um, passion um, for those who have been affected by trauma and to understand how trauma affects the body and the brain, not because that's my whole life purpose, but because he knows that he's given me words to sustain the weary, to sustain the broken, to sustain those who have been hurt. And so anytime an opportunity, so whether it's a trauma-sensitive training, whether it's whether I'm leading a yoga class at a counseling center, or maybe someone's asked me to speak at something, always it goes back to, is this an opportunity for me to share the word that sustains the weary? Is this a place for me to give back the instruction that the Lord has given me to give that back in a way that sustains the heart of others. So for me, that, that, this life verse drives me. And then, then what is fascinating and reassuring to me is then in verse 5 and 7, it basically says, you know, that I, I've not been rebellious and I have not drawn back. There's times in my life where I certainly felt like being rebellious, where I felt like the dream that he's given me was too hard, or where sustaining the hearts of others was um, very difficult for my own heart. But I did not, I did not rebel, and I did not turn back, and I just trusted the Lord, and I just continued to say yes to the Lord, no matter what. There were definitely times I wrestled with saying no. Believe me, <laughs> I'm not a saint. I wrestled just like everyone else, but I knew in the wrestling. Uh, still being obedient, even when I didn't understand um, that the Lord had a gift for me in that. And I was willing to wrestle, um, just like Jacob wrestled um, to get the blessing. I was really willing to wrestle till I got that blessing. And then it says later on in 7, um, it, that I will not be disgraced. So I set my face like flint. So I set my face like a rock. I'm not going to change my purpose, my plans. I'm going to set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. So it's like God reassuring me, even in moments when I feel like, gosh, did I do that right? And shame or guilt or um, discouragement um, tries to creep up on me, I am reminded, no, I will not be put to shame. The Lord has given me something. I need to give that gift back. And, um, and, the, and his very word promises me I won't be put to shame. So that's kind of my example of my life verse. Um, and, and so your life verse is going to be different. And, um, and I encourage you to search the scripture with your whole heart, as Nadine uh, just read from that Jeremiah 29 passage, to search after God, to search and, and to seek wholeheartedly and to ask the Lord to give you a vision, to give you a, a Bible verse that uh, that drives your vision for your life and that um, connects with his calling on your life. Um, and for me, like my, I don't necessarily do vision boards, but I return to that mandala for, because for me it is like my vision board, and I always return to that, and I remind myself I read that scripture again, I study that scripture again, I ask the Lord what he's doing with me. So I'm always returning to that mandala that I created at my 200-hour training as like my vision board. And I might add new things and new ideas and um, things that I think are for 2019 or maybe for 2020 or for 2025. 
and I begin to kind of plan and dream and see what God um, has for me and what doors he opens for me uh, as I dream uh, and look ahead to the future. But it's always connected to that verse, uh, Isaiah 50, uh, verse 4. So I encourage you to find that life verse. And like I said, there's often verses he gives us for a season. Uh, and those I often print out and tape up on my mirror in my bathroom because uh, those are verses that are carrying me through a season of life. Um, and those uh, often become my prayers. And I add them to my life verse. But for me, that um, Isaiah 50, um, that passage always is the one that rises to the top as my life verse and what I want to be about. So anytime a door is open before us, whether God is opening a door or a window, we um, should always look back to this life verse to see if the open door aligns with that verse and whether this opportunity might suggest to you or whether the verse might suggest to you that the open door before you is part of God's plan and purpose in your life. So always going back to that life verse to say, is this part of your plan? Is this part of your purpose? Is this part of your vision for my life? So that's just a little bit on visioning and, um, uh, and, and the idea of having a life verse that sustains you. I do have a, um, a blog post on my website, which is jodytomei.com, J-O-D-Y-T-H-O-M-A-E, jodytomei.com. If you uh, put in the search bar, life verse, it'll come up. Um, there is a, um, a study under the Bible studies about life verse, and it kind of is a reiteration of what I just told you. But if you want to visit that idea of a life verse again, it is on my website. You can kind of check that out again. Okay, so what happens when you walk through a valley in the valley seasons of your life, and your vision becomes clouded. So we want to move from vision to the valley because there are certainly seasons in our life where um, our vision becomes clouded, where um, we return to that life verse, and it certainly doesn't make sense, where it doesn't seem to be true, uh, where we seem to lose our vision in life. So I'm going to read again from uh, the live, love, lead. And Michelle, this is where I'm going to have you interject the Isaiah 53 passage. And it is written in the book. So page 80 of the book. Okay. But actually, if we back up a page, let's actually back up a page 79. And then Michelle, I'll have you read that passage here in a second. So if, at the beginning of chapter 7, he tells the story about Captain James Cook, so not Captain Hook, but Captain Cook, I thought that was funny, um, who came and they believe he um, discovered the uh, continent of Australia. And, um, but the problem was no one told Captain Cook that there was a Great Barrier Reef. And, of course, they ran up on the, re the reef, and, of course, it cut his boat apart. They were threatening to, to sink. Uh, but then everyone on the crew started throwing things overboard. And they call that place where the boat got stuck Cape Tribulation. Um, so they had to let go of all their earthly belongings so that they could survive. And they call that place Cape Tri Tribulation. And so I'm going to read, and then Michelle, I'll have you take over. Um, starting with, we all have our Cape Tri Tribulations. So we all have our Cape Tribulations. 
Scripture even tells us that such trials are inevitable. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. As much as we may not like it or understand it, everything means all the painful, unexpected, disappointing, frightening, challenging moments, as well as the joyful, predictable, exciting, reassuring, and comforting ones. Life includes times of pain, of mourning and grieving, of suffering and healing, of fighting and reconciling. The greater problem may be when we get stuck in our pain, when we can't seem to find the strength to get back on our feet and continue our journey. Life is a difficult path, but it keeps going. If we stop just because we're in pain and can't imagine how to continue, then we will miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. I don't believe that suffering itself is from God, but I believe he uses our suffering because with him nothing is wasted. With Christ as our model for living, loving, and leading, we see that he suffered beyond what we can imagine so that we can enjoy the reality of eternal life. And go ahead, Michelle. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he was born our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, past tense, E.D. Amen. Yes, and amen. Michelle, do you want to go ahead and just read that last paragraph um, of that section there? I'd love to. We have a Savior who not only knows what it means to suffer, but who willingly gave himself as a sacrifice in our place. He loved us enough to take more than a bullet for us. He took the cross, and he defeated sin and death so that we can have grace and joy and hope. Because Christ rose from the dead, we can endure the trials that come our way on life's difficult path, But like Captain Cook's crew aboard their sinking ship, we often have to lighten our load if we want to keep sailing. Yeah, that's good stuff. This this is a great book, Michelle. Thank you for having this as our as our book for leadership. It's a good one. There's some good wisdom in here. Uh So when I think about the valley seasons of our life, I obviously go to Psalm 23, and then that says, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil." For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I, I think when I think of the valley seasons of life, I am reminded, and I don't know which Lord of the Rings movie this one's in, but in one of the Lord of, movie, Lord of the Rings movie, they, um, that, that crew of men, uh, they, they have to go through this crazy dark valley, and, um, and they have to, um, they, they go and they find this cave, but it's this creepy valley, and it's dark, and it's, hard to to pass through and it's creepy and they go to this cave and there's like dead ghostly people there and they have to make a deal and the whole thing's creepy it's scary right and so when I think of the valley of the shadow of death that's that scene from that movie and again I don't know which Lord of the Rings it's from but um uh that scene of that movie is the thing that comes to my mind when I think of the valley of the shadow of death and if you watch uh the Lord of the Rings uh, movies, uh, you'll know when you get to that part because they're all walk, walking through this creepy valley. And it is truly like the shadow of death um, walking through this creepy valley. 
Um, but, but, but what God promises us, though, is that we do not have to fear because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. So when we think about a rod and a staff, first, when I read the word rod, I think of a rod of correction, that phrase rod of correction. And I think of it more of like when we get off course, God might use a situation to help us correct course. So it's a rod of correction. It's not that we get paddled. (laughs) That's not that kind of rod of a correction, but a rod that kind of reaches out and gets us back on course. Maybe we're kind of going off the path, and it's it's a rod or a staff that kind of recorrects us and gets us back, back on a safe path. Um, and those situations, you know, that he just, you know, what Brian Houston just said in the book, he doesn't believe they're from God. That when, when bad situations happen in our life, they can be from the enemy or they might just be from people, the enemy working through people. And it just might be their own fleshly desire driven by the enemy. So things happen in our life uh, driven by the enemy and driven by people that wish to harm us or people that don't even, it's not that they wish to harm us, but they just don't care. And they just go on about life in, a, in an uncaring way, that, and they harm us, it hurts us. Um, so these situations arise, um, but God uses these situations, right? When I think of um, the story of Joseph, you know, he's the first human trafficking victim we hear about in Scripture, and he's thrown into a pit and he's sold into slavery by his own brothers, by his own family. But God uses that situation to bring him to a place where he ends up saving his nation. He saves his people because his brothers have to come to him for food in the famine. Um, And, of course, the passage there, I think it's in Genesis 50, and it says um, that, um, that God had, you know, what they had intended to evil, that God had used for good, for the saving of many lives. So I'm reminded of that passage when negative things come, that God can use these situations as like a rod of correction to get us back on course. And then I also think of the staff, so a rod and staff, the staff of guidance. And I think of that shepherd's staff. It was used for guiding, for prodding, for pushing. It had a hook, so if they fell down, they could grab the sheep with the hook and pull them back up to safety Um, So in order to direct the animals to provision and protection, the shepherd used the staff to direct them and to save them. And they could even use the staff um, to protect them against against wild animals. So the staff was a staff of of protection. It was a staff of, of safety. It was a staff that just kept prodding the um, sheep in the right direction to keep them from harm. So those are the things that, that, that come to mind when I think of his rod and his staff comforting me. Uh, there are things that God used to keep, uses to keep me on course um, and to protect me because Lord knows if we get off course just by one degree in the future, that one degree grows to two and three and five and 10 and 20 and 100 degrees off course. Uh, if we keep on that trajectory. And I don't want to be on a trajectory that's off course with what God has for me. So in the darkest seasons of our lives when we cannot see, we need to trust that the Lord, our shepherd, is with us and that his rod and his staff, they comfort, guide, and provide. 
and to use these seasons as an opportunity to revisit our life verse, to see if the activities you're currently involved in are still in alignment and agreement with God's plans and purposes for your life. Seek, search wholeheartedly with your whole heart. And then knowing when to let go saves you a great deal of heartache in life. And knowing that God brings new things from old places gives us hope. So there are times in our life where um, something we are involved in uh, is no longer God's plan. And it might have been truly God's plan at one purpose in your, or one point in your life, but it's not now. So for a while, I was worship pastor at our church, and that was for a short season. And um, I knew that that was a short season. When God said yes to that in my life, uh, I knew it was going to be an interim position. And uh, I told my pastor, yes, I'll do this, but it's an interim position, an interim season. Um, I'll start with a year, and then we'll go from there. And I went for a year. And I really should have stopped at the year mark. But at the time, there wasn't anyone else to come on board wasn't anyone else um, that they, you know, they hadn't put out a search. They weren't looking. And so I kind of felt obligated to keep going, and I did. And I ended up, um, it ended up being very difficult. And I ended up getting in the last, so I think I ended up working uh, for about 18 months. And probably within those last um, five months or so, it was no longer rewarding for me and actually became very discouraging for me. Um, So here I was. You know, here I was. I was a pastor, a worship pastor at my church. You would think, right? That's God's will, right? I'm a pastor. Um, but that wasn't God's will. God said, no, that was only a year for you. And you kept going when it was time to say no out of obligation because my church was, you know, my pastor kind of made me feel guilty and made me feel like I had to stay. And so instead of listening to God, um, I listened to um bad advice, and I kept going, and it ended up being to my detriment. So God, you know, knowing when to let go saves you a whole lot of heartache. Um, Had I let go when God told me to let go, um, it would have saved me some heartache there um, in that situation. So God did use that situation then to provide correction for me and to help me learn a lesson, um, a valuable lesson about really listening to his voice and knowing when to say yes and knowing when to say no and and not necessarily feeling obligation even to something as important as worship leading at my church, uh, which is something I'm very passionate about, um, but knowing that I need to listen to the the voice of God and all of that. So um, I encourage you to... um, to walk into those places that God is maybe asking you to let go of things um, and to walk forward with bravery and courage. It takes bravery and courage to do, to let go of things. Um, But he has great, um, he has great plans for you on the other side. So it's worth letting go, I promise. Um, And and knowing that he brings new things from the old places. Um, And so I'm going to have Sarah Sarah, um, I reading Isaiah 11, and so Sarah's going to unmute here, and she's going to read uh, Isaiah 11 and verses 1 through 9. 1 through 9. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, 
and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with, his, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand on in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time, to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros to Cush, from Elam and Shiner, from Hamath and the islands of the sea. Beautiful. Good job with all those weird names. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. So, yeah, so we see from that passage, you know, that's about Jesus Christ, right? He had to be, he had to be, to face death on a cross in order that for new life to spring up, right? If he hadn't died, there wouldn't be a resurrection. So that's probably the, the most vivid example of new life that comes from dead places. Um, you know, so from the stump, from this root, grows this new life. Uh, and of course, we know that is Jesus. And as Jesus um, went all the way to the grave and uh, and rose victorious over sin and death and hell. Amen. Hallelujah, right? We're having church just right now. Um, and then Melanie, um, I'm going to have you read um, from Isaiah 43, Melanie. Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 20. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Okay, great. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourself from me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. Did you say all the way to 28? No, you're good. You're good. That's good. Okay. Okay. Good. So he brings us, right? He brings us streams in the wasteland. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I love that passage, such a powerful passage. 
about God doing a new thing, um, and he's bringing streams in the desert, streams in the wasteland. So in the valley places and the desert places of your life, God brings streams of his living water. Such beautiful passages. So um, we're going to move into kind of a time of reflection, quiet reflection to start. Um, I'm going to kind of, we're going to look at two things to reflect on, and then we're going to have a time of prayer um, for each of these two areas. And the first is um, I want us to recall a valley season of our life from our past. So I want to first think of a valley season from the past. And then we're going to, um, in the second part of this, is we're going we're gonna to think about um, and we're going to pray for those people who are currently in a valley season of life or even um, thinking about is there a place in my life where I feel like I'm in a valley season or I could use prayer because of, uh, of uh, a change of what God might be doing in my life. So let's, let's first think of a, a valley season in, in our life from our past. So just take a moment to recall just a valley season. Maybe you called it the desert. Maybe you just called it the worst year of your life. So valley season of your life from your past. And as you consider for a moment and, and reflect on that valley season, how did God comfort, guide, and provide for you? How did God comfort, guide, and provide? And what was God asking you to let go of in that season? What was God asking you to let go of, and how did that go? And perhaps are you still having trouble letting go of that thing that he asked you to let go of? Are you still having trouble letting go? And then can you identify a new thing that sprung up in the place of the old that died in the season of that life or the thing that you had to let go of? Uh, what is the new thing that sprung up in its place? Can you identify that? So then we're going to move uh, more into this valley season of life if you're currently in a valley season of life. So are you currently in a valley season and can you identify what God might be asking you to let go of? And maybe you can't identify it in this moment. Maybe it'll take several days of prayer. Can you identify what God might be asking you to let go of? And this is for later reflection. But does the thing that he's asking you to let go of, does it still align with your life verse? So you may not have a life verse right now. 
So you may not be able to answer this question until you figure out what your life verse is. So maybe you first need to study and figure out what your life verse is and then see if that thing he's letting you, asking you to let go of, if it aligns with that life verse. And then, then asking the question, is there a new seed that God is planting in the season that might be the new thing that springs up in the place of the old? So on page 107 of Live, Love, Lead, I'm not going to read here, but he talks about living transparently and about how when we're going through rough seasons in our life, we tend to isolate ourselves and we tend to um, withdraw because we're hurt and people don't understand. And and I've, I've experienced that, I know, in my life where I tend to withdraw when I'm hurt. But God doesn't create us to work um, independently. God, God created us to live in community. It's not good for man to be alone, is what he says in Genesis, and he created woman. Um, and so he created us to live in community with one another, and he created us for, um, to live in close community. So, so now it's an opportunity for us to be vulnerable and to be transparent. And um, uh, I would say... Um, if there's something maybe you want to share, uh, also being mindful of the time um, uh, that maybe sharing briefly. Uh, we're at a quarter till here, and the call goes in maybe another 15 minutes. And I do want to definitely have time, a prayer time at the end of this. So I definitely want to leave time for prayer. But if maybe uh, one or two of you or three even want to share, maybe if there's a valley season that you're going through, and maybe um, how we can pray for you. And we don't need all the details, but uh, just enough to let us know how to pray for you. Uh, but I, I welcome uh, you um, to share so that we can gather around you and pray. Yes. Uh, before somebody unmutes and says your name, if you do want to say your name, just if you could state your first name so um, people listening to this later... Um, you just sort of protect your privacy so you don't yeah. have to say your name but if you do just don't share your last name thank you thanks Jody. yeah thanks Michelle yeah And perhaps it's not a current valley season, but maybe it is that question, are you still having trouble letting go of something that maybe was from a previous valley season of your life and maybe you're still having trouble letting go of that thing? And we can pray for you in that regard as well. Remember, it's star six to unmute.
Well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to pray. Um, and we're going to pray for one another here on the call. And, and I'm just going to pray for folks, um, you know, uh, that, that are listening. You know, maybe you're listening to this later and you are resonating with this valley season of life. Um, so we're just going to pray in general for folks um, going through that valley season and, and folks that have maybe already been through a valley season that are still having trouble letting go. So if you just want to um, find a posture of prayer, and whether that's a resting angel or child's pose, or, or maybe you just want to sit back on your couch, and, but finding a prayer posture and taking a deep breath and exhaling and letting go. Taking a deep breath into the rib cage, so letting the rib cage expand. And again, exhaling and letting go. And maybe you want to open the lips and let out a verbal sigh. And then taking a deep breath into the heart, up into the upper chest, into the heart. And again, exhaling and letting go. Lord, right now we join our hearts in prayer for people in the valley seasons of life, those in the desert, those in the wastelands, for those who are still waiting for the new thing to spring up. We pray for those who are having trouble letting go Lord, we pray that in the midst of our prayers, in the midst of this moment, that you would give new vision, new dreams, new desires, and that with each exhalation, you give us the power, the courage, the strength to let go, to let go of the things that you're no longer calling us to do. that you would always give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom and discernment to know the things that we need to hold on to with all our life, the things you're not asking us to let go of, the things that you want us to strive towards because they're part of your good and perfect plan. Help us to know the difference of what to let go of, what to hold on to, Give us discernment. Give us wisdom. With each exhalation, we breathe out the old. And with each inhalation, we breathe in the new. Exhale old. Inhale new. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it?
Exhale the old. Inhale the new. Lord, we pray for renewed vision in the valley, that you would set our sights on the plans and purposes that you have for our lives, that we would root our identity clearly in you as your beloved children, as daughters and sons of a risen king, and that rooted and established in your love, Jesus Christ, and working through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be able to extend our branches and extend our fruit to to those that are so desperate in need of your nourishment. That we would walk the steps that you have for us, that we would reach out our hands in the places that you have designed for us. That you would open doors that no man can shut and that you would shut doors that no man can open that you would give us clear direction and vision in our life. I pray for each and every one, Lord, that they would find their life verse, that you would direct their reading, that you would direct them to the passage, that it would resonate in deep, profound places within their spirit. Maybe they can't even name, identify, but they know that they know that they know that this is it. So I'm calling forth dreams and visions. I'm calling forth life verses and life purposes. I'm calling forth the dreams and desires placed within our heart by you, God. May we have the courage and strength to see them through to fruition. We love you, Lord. We are thankful for you. And one last time, Lord, we breathe out, we exhale the old, and we breathe in the new. In your precious holy name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, good. Michelle, we are at right at closing time. Are there any questions that people have? Any questions? Or even insights. The insight that you have the gift of teaching. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thanks, Zerdy, so much. You know, when you were talking about letting go, I know that that can often be so challenging to do, so much easier said than done. And as we Mm -hmm. left an old year and entered a new year, it's also just so significant of a new season. I feel it in my bones in so many ways, and I'm sure I'm not the only one on this call. But, you know, on the bottom of page 195, Brian Houston, and if you walk through this book, you know he faced some very challenging hardships and had to keep that vision in his valleys. And I never knew half this stuff about Brian Houston and I have so much more respect at the things that he walked through with grace and strength 
because he was so rooted in Christ. Um, but at the bottom of page 195, he says, sometimes it's easy to have faith when everything is going great. But courageous faith, robust faith, is forged only when it's tested. And that's what happens mm-hmm. in the valleys, is that we're tested. And mm-hmm. in that letting go, um, I learned firsthand at the end of last year, in that letting go, the end of an era is not the completion of our destiny. So I wanted to mm. share that with you because that really was something that resonated deep down that God had something new and I couldn't enjoy it, experience it, receive it if I didn't, with my back hand, open it up and let that old thing go. So yeah. my front hand could then just receive the future, the new, the new seed, the new sprouting as you said, Jody. So the end of an era is not the completion of our destiny, and I think that's something that we could really get into our hearts. That it's hard to let go sometimes. It could, it could be a family member. It could be a best friend. It could be, you know, your favorite, um, you know, printer, computer printer. I get attached to like my car. I've had it for 25 mm-hmm. years. Just, it could be something um, like that. Um, or it could be an actual person. So these things are really hard to let go of. Um, but God has something greater. And if we receive that, and all the things that Jody was saying, it was just so great. Um, we can step into this new season and experience great joy because God, even though it was painful, created this space. And so um, if you haven't got the book or you haven't finished reading it, please do so, Um, you know, just really quickly as we are going to Carlsbad this weekend um, and continuing this conversation that Joey has started, um, I wanted to direct you to the, the last half of How We Love as well. The authors will be with us on Sunday, but um, the last half of their book, How We Love, um, is part of this, and so I don't want you to forget about that. This is really important stuff they talk about in the last half. It's about connecting um, with your spouse in a different new way now that you understand their love language and vice versa. Um, and it also talks about just, I think the point of the book is really getting a PhD in not just your spouses, but for all of your relationships, getting a PhD in their childhood so that we know how to communicate and we know why they react. So um, the last half of, of the book Jody was going through and I went through on the first call, these, these two together are really powerful. So if you haven't finished the reading, um, you know, shame off you. Just get, get into it when you can and uh, listen to this call again if you'd like. But I want to thank, thank you, Jody, for your wisdom, for dropping your wisdom and for blessing You're us. Welcome. And if there are any questions or feedback, we do have, um, you know, we're five minutes early, so we're at an hour and 25 of our 90-minute calls. So if you have anything you'd like to say, please jump on, only stating your first name if you could, and star six is how you unmute yourself. I have a question for Jody. This is Fran. Hi, Fran. Hello. Um, If you could just briefly give a little insight into how you handled stepping away from from being the worship leader when you were being asked to stay, because I find that 
that's one of my biggest distractions is that I feel like I get pulled in all these different directions. Mm, and when yeah. it's helping somebody else or filling a need, I feel, well, isn't that a calling? So that was really um, interesting that you said that they wanted you to stay, but that you um, knew that you weren't supposed to and that you overstayed. So if you could just yeah. share briefly about because I think as women we really are challenged to that and then we are maybe getting distracted from focusing on what he really has planned for us. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, for especially for women, but I also see it, you know, for guys as well, that, that ability to say no, oh, such a hard lesson to learn and um, it's just, you know, trial and error, right? We go through life and we figure out, oh my gosh, it works so much better when I say no to the things I'm supposed to say no to uh, and I don't say yes, but it's so, it is so hard. I think in that situation in particular, I was very upfront uh, from, the, from the beginning saying um, this is interim. I'm uh, at, at this point, I see a year. I'm not sure I'm supposed to go beyond that. Uh, when that year came around, um, you know, Pastor and I talked, and and he was kind of pressing me, like, "Well, you should stay." And and you know, out of out of like feeling like, "Oh my gosh," you know, duty, um, I felt like I needed to stay until that 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 someone else, you know, was was ready to step up. But what I've learned, and one of the big lessons I've learned is, until I stepped down they wouldn't start looking. And so that was just a hard lesson for me to finally say, I need to step down now because unless I don't, unless I stepped, like if I don't step down, you're not going to start looking. And they, they did receive that from me. But, you know, I had a long history there, so they knew, you know, I mean, they knew my heart. It wasn't like I was just like, adios, amigos, peace out. <laughs> they knew my heart, and they knew my heart for ministry. They knew my heart for worship. Um, but, and they knew, I mean, the thing is, I kind of like hit them with a book and they were kind of like, yeah, you're right. We haven't been looking because we've been just taking for granted that you would stay on. So they had to kind of come to their own realization that, you know, that they weren't looking. Um, so it was, it was good. I mean, I had a, a good relationship with my church in good relationship with the people I had served in ministry with, they got, they got it. They got me and they got it. So it was, it was easier to kind of call them out and kind of say, you know, we're in relationship here together and, and what I'm seeing is that you're not looking because I haven't left, so I'm going to leave. And so the minute I said, I ha you have one more month, they, they miraculously found someone. <laughs> so, and I've seen that in life where as long as I keep saying yes, that like there are other people that need to step up but until I step down they can't step up and I've seen that in different places like at the Y when I worked at the Y and it wasn't until I stepped out of group X classes that other folks came in and like they got a full staff of people to teach group X classes and it's like I had to step down and let go so that other people would step up and um, join staff you know and I've just found, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, as long as you're there, people don't step up. <laughs> and then when, so just being honest and, and for me, just saying, you know, God is calling me out of this and I have to listen to the voice of God and I can't 
I, I understand you need me, but God is calling me in another direction, and I have to heed the voice of God. In ministry, that's really easy to say because certainly they don't, they're never going to say, ah, don't listen to God, you know. <laughs> I hope they wouldn't say that. But, uh, you know, so it is, you know, but not always in a secular setting. It's harder because you can't just say, I'm heeding the voice of God because nobody gets that. Um, but, you know, being able to, to like, thinking, thinking it through and being able to go, I, I'm, I'm going to be quitting at one of my places of employment uh, in the next several months. And I'm already now planning, you know, what are the things that I need to bring up in conversation when I go to let that go um, so that they don't try to talk me back into it. So months of planning of how to quit a job that I work for an hour and a half a week at. <laughs> Seems like a lot of effort. <laughs> so I hope that helps, Rhea. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Anybody else have experience with that? Wisdom from that? I have a recent one. Um, and And it was a really difficult situation, too. I had known for some time and had tried to deny it and and God just kept pressing it in on my heart and it was it was actually kind of interesting because um, difficulties began to arise and I started to um, feel overwhelmed I began to feel um, a little bit resentful and mm. I began to feel um, used Mm. And that's nothing that I normally feel in a position where I know that I'm supposed to be and that I enjoy doing, which I had. And um, as I continued to press in and pray and asked others to press in and pray, I I got to a point, and even one night at Bible study, I said, um, I'm at a point where I feel like if, if, if things don't change, then I just want to quit. And and that really took me by surprise because that there again I'm really really loyal and dedicated person and I don't just quit I finish mm. strong is is my mentality and so then I began to press in with the Lord and just ask you know Lord how how do I finish strong how do I how do I um, walk away from this and into something new and so I pressed in with a few friends different what what I would say life friendships that also believe in the Lord that are guided by the same thing they know me they know my heart and that would speak truth into me without without fear of hurting my feelings or anything like that and they were able to help me to see you know, that I am grateful and I'm gracious and thankful and all of those things. And so then as I began to focus on those things in my job and um, how I wasn't being respected and, you know, led, I guess, properly, then it became easy for me to ask God, okay, if I'm supposed to resign, then I need you to give me the words. I need you to um, show me the path and the way. And then a path became very clear for me. And I just continued to press in right up until the very last few seconds of even resigning, which I knew was going to take um, my boss by surprise. And it, it wasn't, um, not, and not to um, discount 
less um, hours in a job, but it was, you know, almost a, it was a 28 to 30 hour a week job that I've been doing and the only person in, in the office. And um, mm. anyhow, when I, when I said it, it did take um, my boss by surprise, but at the same time, he was presenting me with something completely different that made it super easy. So it was just like all of a sudden I felt like the Lord just made the path clear for me because it was like there wasn't even alignment anymore. All of a sudden, wow. all of a sudden it was just like the, the sea parted, if, if I could say it that way. And I wow. felt total con- contentment in my heart. And, and even up to this point, Thursday being my last day, um, continuing to go in and train other people and being gracious and giving and dedicated all those things that I was before. But even if that hadn't been there, just said, I, this, is, this is my point of where I'm going to begin the new chapter for me and my life and my commitment and what the Lord has placed on my heart for this new season of my life. Yeah, that's good. Such good wisdom about pressing in and getting godly counsel around you. That's good stuff. That's good wisdom. If I could say something really, really fast, and then we can close, and if people need to jump off, they certainly can. You prayed us out with that beautiful prayer, but I uh, was holding on to a class at the YMCA that was really dear and near to my heart just because you get so attached to students, and I was teaching it, and it was uh, once a week, Thursday nights, and, and God was calling me out of it, and I held on to it probably about a year and a half longer than he was calling me out of it. But as soon as I made that commitment, and it was so sad and so hard for both parties, um, he really began to um, grow the ministry of yoga faith where he had me, where I was supposed to be. And so this class, even though it was one hour a week, it was you know the travel time, the work that went into it, um, you guys know a lot of you on the call teach, and so it was just like once I pruned that, even though it was painful, um, it created space for him to work and do the things that I was supposed to do, do the things that did align with my life first and align with his will and my destiny. So, you know, obviously I've never looked back, but um, it's stuff like that. It's a good thing, even Tuesday morning Bible study, it's a good thing. But he just said, that season, we're laying it to rest. I have other things for you. And I guess it was just, you know, having discernment. Um, I I do wish I I listened faster. But, um, you know, it's better late than never, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love it. But, yes. Well, Jody, thank you so much um, to each of you who spent a little over 90 minutes with us. We really appreciate your time and just really learning about God a little bit deeper or a lot deeper and just having practical tools and skills that Jody has gifted us with. Um, the life verse is really great and you know, being really rooted in Christ, that's our identity. So thank you for journeying with us. If you didn't get the first call, that is um, on SoundCloud as well as YouTube if you want to um, catch it. And that, this one will be too if you want to um, revisit it. So just want to say thank you all so much. Um, we hope this has equipped you and resourced you that much more. 
um, and that we can just be rooted and grounded and walk in truth with him and especially with one another. We really do need each other um, for these valleys as well as celebrating together on the mountaintop. So thank you for journeying with us. We love you guys. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah, you're so welcome. So good to hear you guys' sweet voice. Nadine, thank you. So great to hear you guys. And um, I know you might not be unmuted or some people probably left. So we'll just say goodnight. I know it's late on the East Coast. But again, thank you again so much. Thanks so much. Good night. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you too. Thanks, Jody. See you this weekend. Yes, see you this weekend. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>